0: Welcome to Retro Fanfic Retrospective, the podcast where we dredge up old fanfiction and expose it to the cold, hard light of 2018. My name is Amato, and with
1: me are... Tori. And hailing from darkness beyond twilight, it's Dom. Oh.
0: (laughs) We got creative this time. Yeah. There's some... Some lame Mr. Rob joke to be made with the darkness and the blood, but I'm not quite up for it.
1: Well, we'll workshopping, we'll get back to it. That's right. We can add <laughs> it
0: in later. <laughs> yeah, it's been two weeks since our last recording uh, to give mm-hmm. us time to try to tackle this very long work. Any big developments in the last few weeks?
2: Uh oh, I got a I got a straight job. Well, you know, Wait. not a <laughs> heterosexual job, oh, but okay.
1: a, I was worried you know, a like a
2: a job that actually pays. Uh, above the books kind of dealy right so Uh, you get less money yeah right that one but uh yeah i get to be an inclusion assistant with disabled children and for one four-year-old in preschool and one after school with a nine-year-old so i'm very excited and unfortunately though it means i have less time to read fan fiction but Uh uh-oh (laughs) <laughs> I hope I can fit it in, in my busy schedule.
1: You just have to count for which war will um, you know give more benefit to humanity in the long run.
2: Let's see, helping disabled <laughs> children in school <laughs> or reading fanfiction from the nineties. It'll
1: be a tough one. Uh, yeah, uh, think
2: of the cultural benefits.
0: It really is. It's a tough decision. And that reminded me of something. Like, you know, I was looking at the website for the fanfic today, and. The author's got his email address there, and he's like, oh, if you, you know, have anything you want to say about this, even though it's old stuff that I'm embarrassed about, like drop me a line. Should we be telling people that we're doing this? Should we like drop these authors a message and say, by the way, you're on a podcast now?
2: You know, that's not the worst idea <laughs> to be
0: reasonable. They, they might want to know that their work is being read. I mean... Yeah, it's weird because back when I was writing MSTings, I did that. I was like, hey, I'm writing this, and I, I think I even got permission but it didn't occur to me until just now to actually contact the authors for this. Well, it's a very, very
1: mature and thought-through um, idea, and I support your uh, idea and following through with it, so I'll... So now it's my work.
0: job, right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you are the one who suggested it, so... Yeah, how that we, both,
2: we both support you in this amount.
1: <laughs> yeah, fair enough.
2: But, you know, I think to be fair, these artworks are works that published a, a long time ago. I mean, obviously, I want to give all due respect to the author and, and sharing their work. Mm-hmm. But they are published publicly. And I, I don't know if the authors, you know, even care very much anymore. Maybe they do. I do think some of them invested a lot
0: into these particular things. So. It does feel different doing this than doing a transformative work like MSTing, mm-hmm. where like I'm engaging with the work and, or like turning it into another product that I'm posting online. Right. In this case like we barely mention the actual text. You like, know, we at at most we have a couple of quotes. We're mostly just talking about it.
2: But if you had a radio show mm-hmm. where you know you wanted to talk about a book you recently read that was published, would you contact the author and say, "Hey, I have a radio show. Can I talk about your book?" I I don't think that that would be the case. If you review a
1: play or a restaurant, you don't tell them... No. You Mm -hmm. might let them know beforehand you're coming, but you don't ask them for... You
0: don't have to. No. No, No. I don't think we need permission ethically. I just felt like, oh, wait, it would probably be polite to tell them that it's happening.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, if you want to do it, motto, I fully support you. And I fully support the idea of getting any more downloads through any unscrupulous means possible. So...
0: (laughs) Right, because at least the authors will have to listen to us, right? Out of morbid curiosity.
1: They'll have to. That's one more right there.
0: <laughs> exactly. And they'll maybe tell their friends.
1: We can take that to the internet bank. <laughs> we can have as much as
0: 10, 12 listeners. Dare yeah. we dream? Depends on how many friends these people have. I yeah, mean, well, I've f- got like three. Fan fiction, That's fiction writers, fanfics so... fanfics have a pretty
1: good uh, long proofreader list, so... it's mm-hmm. a good point.
0: Yeah. Well, this particular fanfic is Slayers Reflect by... St- <sighs> S-T-E-F-A-N, how do you say that? Stefan? Stephen or Stefan? Okay. Depends. I, it's a name I've seen and I never need to say out loud. Yeah. Stefan. It, it's one way to spell Stephen as
2: well. Stephen. So it's kind of unclear. Do you say A-N? A-N. It might be Stefan. Stefan. Stefan
0: or Stefan. Gogne. Gagni? Gagney. Like I'm used to calling him two flower. But his mm. website now says, oh, I'm Stefan Gogney." Formerly known on the internet as Two Flower, so like he seems to have abandoned that alias. I should probably not call him by that, I guess. I think it's
1: fair to say Two Flower, probably. Okay. If well, that's how they're known for, for a large portion of it. oh well, well, he was known but by unless... that in
0: 1998. Hmm. Unless what? he does, really doesn't want to be known that way anymore. Unless I don't think it's that, because he still, like, says that in the first line of his okay. introduction on his website.
1: The way that internet fame works is that no matter how much you want to or not, if you were known by that, alias for any amount of time that's how you're always going to be known for going forward right. that's
2: fair I just think when you're talking about a person you know it rings true to home as a trans person like to refer to people want. as what they currently want to be referred to if you to know as. what it is yeah
1: yeah, I so you know. do. So when you e- like. email them, you can ask them. <laughs> there you go.
0: By the way, what do you want to be called? We already did the episode, and we're not going to change it, but just for the record. <laughs> uh, no, we'll go back in and we'll edit in your preferred name in every
2: single instance. Stefan yeah. Gogney.
1: <laughs> I'm pretty sure I didn't get Siri to say it. They just replace it naturally. Mm. Yeah, I used to read a lot of fanfics
0: by Stefan Gogney.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> anyway... Yeah, Two Flower. He was active on the fanfiction scene, you know, in the late 90s. Uh, originally wrote Ronma fanfiction like you do, or like you did in the late 90s. Who, me? Uh, I think you did, didn't you? You probably just forgot if you didn't. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, that was a really tumultuous time in my life.
0: Sounds like. I mean, I don't remember writing any Ranma fanfiction, but I probably did.
2: Yeah, I, I think...
0: think th-
1: I don't think I wrote down anything, but I probably composed some. Right.
0: Uh, Anyway, also very active in the impro fanfic scene, which would be interesting to get into at some point. That was just round-robin writing of fanfiction. Mm. Um, And after Ronma went on to write a bunch of Slayers, a surprising amount of Slayers, like four novels and a little bit more worth of Slayers fanfiction. Um, I say a strange amount because, as far as I know, he was like the only person writing Slayers fanfiction. Uh, Certainly the only one I was aware of or the internet was aware of. After that, he went on and wrote more original anime-inspired web fiction, some Neverwinter Nights modules. Looks like he's hmm. working on a visual really? novel. Um, like, he does some various other projects. Yeah. The yeah. Neverwinter Nights modules were pretty good. I'm
1: pretty Thanks. sure I played a lot of them. Yeah. The oh, really. I had a pretty heavy Neverwinter Nights period in my life.
0: <laughs> yeah. It had a unique role because he was writing this genre that he does a lot of, which is dramedy. Mm. And, like, there wasn't a lot of... Comedy anything in Neverwinter Nights modules. No. Not, not well done, at least. No. Yeah, certainly yeah. not well done. It was pretty I'd well done.
2: Be interested to play some of those modules because I did actually very much like the writing style of mm-hmm. this fan fiction, um in terms of like, it did sound like a DM and it did have a very like fantasy story as a thing. <laughs> and, uh, it, it sounded like someone was running like through their, two things. their kind of like player and, uh, game at a time. Which fanfiction
1: are we reading today exactly? Oh yes, well oh. I guess we should probably mention that did we have, we are reading. We, we mentioned the author, not the yeah. not the fanfiction. We're reading right. everything ever written
0: by Two Flower. <laughs> <laughs> we are reading Slayers Reflect, which is the first of three novel-length fanfics in what's called the Slayers Trilogy of three Slayers novel-length fanfics. Oh. He wrote a fourth one which is not part of the trilogy, it's unrelated, but it's also a novel-length Slayer's fanfic. And
2: may I say how impressed I am that anyone would write a work of this length, surely for
0: people to read it on the internet and never give them any money. Now, the thing is, I think this is about the same length as The One I Love Is, Mm. in terms of word count. It's just that they were written very differently, because The One Mm. I Love Is was clearly written, a chapter at a time, Yes. Until the author ran out of things to write about. Right. Yes. Whereas this is a novel that was planned out as a novel. Yes. Has the yes. structure of a novel and, like, you know, thematic things that were planned from the beginning to the end. And in that sense, it's very unique because we haven't read any other fanfic like that yet.
1: Yeah, because everything yeah. we've read so far has been um, episodic. Very serialized, yeah. Or seemed episodic. Yeah.
0: Yes. Yes. Now, this was originally serialized on the author's website. um, in, like, an HTML, like, a few pictures added to the HTML, you know, format. And also posted in full on um, Rec Arts Anime Creative once it was finished. Um, so, you know, it's got chapters, but it's all of a piece. And when you start poking around the author's website, he starts apologizing for this stuff pretty quickly. Like, <laughs> at the, um, I think at the top of this page for the Slayers trilogy, the quote is... I wrote this stuff in nineteen ninety-eight using nineteen ninety-eight level web browser standards and nineteen ninety-eight level writing talent. <laughs> By this point I've written considerably better things, and if you're up for nos- but if you're up for nostalgia and don't mind a few bumps in the road, read on. So, you know. I mean, we probably should have chosen something you know, even more embarrassing, but
1: it's classic creator um, embarrassment at your yes. words. Yeah.
2: I think this is something really unique that I've discovered in my recent. You know, I do remember reading fan fiction as a kid, but mm-hmm. recently reading all of this fan fiction all at once, the authors' forewords are always like, "I'm very embarrassed by this, and I hope you don't judge me too harshly." Whereas uh-huh. when you publish a novel you absolutely would never put that in never. the book. But it's a very human thing to feel. Like, anytime yeah. you release something as a creator, that's absolutely how you feel. And I feel a lot of empathy for these people. But well, like,
1: you wouldn't put that in a novel because your editor would tell you that wouldn't sell books. Exactly, yeah. Now, but you far, might want
0: to. Twoflower right. you know? didn't do that when he published his fanfic originally. Mm-hmm. It's only later on that, like, Twoflower went back and was like, I, uh, uh, fine, like, at least he's keeping it online. He's saying, well, it's there if you want it. Even, like, his old Ranma fanfics that I get the sense that he's much more embarrassed about than this Slayers fanfic. Like, they're still up online.
2: And I think, you know, it's an interesting thing when someone keeps a piece of work out there in the public despite being embarrassed by it. I think the disclaimer almost serves to be, like, avoiding being hurt. Like, maybe they still have a little pride in themselves, but... They're also like, oh, but if I seem like this is embarrassing to me, like, no one needs to tell me that it is. Mm. And
0: I've certainly been guilty of that. So, That's just
1: the idea. Yeah, I get it. It's embarrassing. Let's move on. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: Well, I think that the author should be proud of this, but we'll get into it more later. I, I do too. Um, first off, Slayers. We haven't talked about it before. People don't talk about it very much. It's not one of those A-list anime. No. But Mm-mm. any kind of experience with it? I was honestly
2: like... I asked my roommate, uh, my roommate asked me what fan fiction you're reading. I said Slayers, which I hadn't seen very much of the anime at all when I was young. But it was really actually, I thought, very popular in like the particular circle that I ran in. Mm -hmm. You know, the like D&D loving, middle school, anime loving crowd. So I never really got around to watching very much of it. But it seemed like something, you know, that people were really into for a very brief point in the 90s.
0: I feel you like know. it's kind of Magic Knight Rayearth level, where it's like yes. certain groups were, were, like were really, really into, it, really, into it, but it wasn't like Ava or like like yeah. the, the big ones like Ava or Sailor Moon or Dragon Ball Z or Pokemon. Either you liked them or you were actively like not into yeah. them. You were like, nope, not my the thing. The
2: thing is, is those things stuck around long enough yeah. in the public, you know, purview to become liked by different groups. And then my roommate's like five years younger than me. She's like, I've never heard of this. And I was like, well, that makes sense because the popularity right. of Slayers was very much like kind of late 90s. You probably were really young, you know. I
1: I believe there is still a, a following, but it is mostly a Japanese following, not as much American following. Yeah. Interesting. There's a lot of right. series that have a lot of different followings in America or, or Japan. For example, in America, uh, Samurai Champloo is very popular. So it's Cowboy Bebop. Not mm-hmm. as much in Japan. Mm. And Slayers
0: got two new seasons like ten years ago. Recently. Really? Out of of nowhere, yeah. I
1: tried to watch them, but they looked like crap. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, I
2: never watched much Slayers, but I was certainly familiar with what it was about, because it was very popular when I was in, like, the height of my liking of anime when I was 10 or 11 or 12. One of
1: those new series, I got turned off as soon as I introduced the cute animal mascot. Mm -hmm. Cute animal (laughs) dragon slave casting mascot.
2: Turned (laughs) off by the cute animal mascot. That's the best part of any anime. If
1: it starts with it, I'm fine with it. If it adds it after the um, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth season, then nah. It's
2: like they... uh, It's
1: desperation. It it, it reeks.
2: They jumped the... uh, cute the land shark yeah cute <laughs> shark yeah jumped the choo-choo
1: <laughs> for me
0: slayers was important because i had bought like two anime dvds before this and it was ghost in the shell because i was like that's supposed to be good mm-hmm. and uh the first ranma movie because i was like ranma and then it was not good at all
1: which one was the first one
0: uh, that was big trouble in naconron china was the english title it's the Seven Lucky Gods Martial Artists. It's, That's the
1: one they always had their preview for in any anime VHS you watch. I think you're right. Yeah. <laughs> now,
0: to be fair, it's not as bad as the second Ranma movie, but it's not a good movie. <laughs> um, anyway, after that, the first anime DVD I can remember buying was The Slayer's Next Box Set. And it was like, whoa, it's all 26. It's 26 episodes <laughs> all together. You don't have to like search out the various volumes. And it's at like, a reasonable price. And you know, my brother and I bought it. And um it was pretty good. Um,
2: only ten D V or VHS tapes or whatever.
0: Uh maybe thirteen. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, two episodes per like like you do. Yeah. Yeah. Was, A handy thirteen VHS tapes. It could be worse. I remember, you know, like really wanting the the like Power Rangers VHSs oh, as Power a kid. Power Rangers
1: VHSs <sighs> were terrible. They had I a,
0: had those. They had an episode each. Yes. episode each. For, like, 20 Wait, bucks no, each. I had one that had
2: two episodes. Oh,
0: two episodes. Yeah. Of Power it Rangers. It was the only
2: one that I owned that I bought. It was... But I only remember one of the episodes. It was the one with the pig. Oh, the pudgy pig. pig monster. Classic. And you just, like, it eats trash. or There's, like, eats a trash. Everything. It's really gross. Eats everything, yeah.
0: We'll be getting into some anyway. Power Rangers fanfic. I've got something lined up. <laughs> but I watched um, it over and over and over again. So. Anyway, the point is I like Slayers well enough. I think I got VHSs of Slayers try later, and I have never, ever seen the first season of Slayers, which um, this fanfic references heavily, but that's okay. Yeah.
1: I was watching the first season of Slayers coming back in the digital age, mm-hmm. r- able to rewatch like entire seasons without relying on clunky box sets and such. And it, it's okay. It Doesn't flow as well as the rest of the series, of oh. course. Because like, yeah. But I, I, I did want to see how like um, Gary's and Lena's relationship started. Mm-hmm.
2: I um, I, I, was kind of like, you know, like I said, I really didn't watch much Slayers. Maybe a couple episodes, but when I was maybe twelve, so I really don't remember it. But this kind of this fanfiction made me kind of want to watch it. You know, maybe like the character dynamics. Yeah, and I the, enjoyed a
1: lot of cute, it. You know, and I they, think you can start at a. Later next. season. Yeah, started next. Yeah. Okay. Is next the one that introduced Zelos. Yes. Yeah, that's a good place well, to start. Well, now try. I know a lot about
2: the characters already right. and about the universe. And, and you know, it, I love that this fan fiction allowed me to, like, understand the universe and the character relationships without ever having really watched that, this that's thing. That's a good it's, point. It's like, a like really main good strength.
0: It, it introduces the characters really well. It does. Like, yeah, it has an intro for each character that, you know, is humorous and enjoyable, mm-hmm. but also introduces
1: them. And you barely need to have seen anything. Like mm-hmm. I didn't think about that, because, like, I already knew everything about these characters, but they did kind of casually explain everything in a way that was more of a show-don't-tell Yeah. Sort of fashion.
2: <laughs> I basically had an idea of what archetype each of, like, three of the characters were. Mm-hmm. And then I didn't really know any of the other characters, and they still drew me in right away, and I get the characters, like... Yes, each character is reduced strictly to that archetype very much, but I assume that's kind of how it is in the anime as well. Absolutely. Oh, more so in the anime. Well, there you go. Then they perfectly kind of imitated the anime. This is way more nuanced than Naga the White Serpent ever gets in the source material. That's fascinating (laughs) because I was constantly frustrated by the fact the author was
0: pointing out how
2: two-dimensional
0: the character was. I mean, I enjoy Naga because... Out of all of these like D and D type characters, she's the most murder hoboey. <laughs> like you know that that concept of the D and D character where the the character has no like mooring in culture; they're just like wandering around, killing things to gain experience and getting like money. Is the character mm-hmm. that
1: would just loot a dead corpse and be in the Ex- the Exactly like, right,
0: but... right. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, where... and, and you know the other characters are pretty murder y already. But, like, you know, Naga's the most, like, purest extension of, like, someone's running a and d character and they just want to, like, kill things and have fun and take, and, like, get loot. I love that.
1: <laughs> but where in uh, the Slayers continuity does this fanfic take place?
0: The author says it takes place, it can take place after Try, but, like, there's things that happen in Try and things that happen in Next that should have been referenced in this fanfic if they had happened, but they aren't referenced, but Zelos is still around, so it's kind of fuzzy. Okay. Like, it doesn't really matter. Well, and and the author says, like, look, if you want just... In, in some of, the, like, the various author notes at the beginning, uh, not at the beginning of the chapter, but, like, on the website, the author says, like, just think of it as, like, an alternate continuity if you want. So, Because I didn't want to worry about all these, like, mm-hmm. really minor things. That's probably the well, best
1: way to do it, because, like, if people get too bogged down in, in continuity, then they don't, then they really shackle themselves, don't have a lot of room to move around. For sure. Or explore the space at all.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, and. There was one thing I was kind of confused about. Um, so, like, Lena is 17, about to be 18 in this mm-hmm. particular fanfiction. Is she... They said that she'd met her the other companions in her party mm-hmm. like three years before. Was she basically, like... 14 or 15? That is correct. I the, thought she started like 16 started. or
0: something. Well, she's youngest in the prequels, which is when she's traveling okay. with Naga. Mm. And she's a little older in like the main series. I see. And this has her be a little bit older than that.
2: So she's very, very young. Yes. Which just surprises me because there's a lot of references to her body and a lot of things that just... That's
0: know, something that made the, uncomfortable, the main but. series does a lot. Yeah. And one of yes, the things I, I appreciated I was the the author in this mostly gets it out of the way in chapter one, mm-hmm. when, like, Gowry makes comments of it. And, like, by the end of it, there's kind of, like, they Lena explaining to him, like, look, don't do that. It makes me angry. And he's like, oh, okay. Yeah. Like, And he basically doesn't.
2: And wasn't that whole part with Gowry very interesting in the beginning, where um, he goes to the sidekicks convention, <laughs> and there's a sidekick insurrection about how These people are being abused and downtrodden, which is actually pretty accurate. Like, there's no way you could really argue with that. Sure. Yeah. Until I think a few chapters later, when Lena kind of reveals that the reason she's always hitting him is because he's saying insensitive things to her about how she looks. And And they have that discussion and, like, yeah. And then they finally realize what's going on with them. And now I'm fully willing to believe in this universe, there's like a a sidekick class that is abused. Um, (laughs) But Gary is kind of this, like, funny case of, like, just being extremely insensitive Mm -hmm. through kind of sheer ignorance, and that's why Lena has her reactions. I think the misogyny inherent in, like, the guy who kind of tries to guide Gary away from Lena and, like, start the sidekick insurrection Mm -hmm. is really funny. Because he's like, yeah, my my uh, hero person is always beating up on me and I just want to tell her, like, go make me a sandwich. And, and Gary's like, like, you oh, say that? God. Yeah and, and yeah. and he
0: says, no, she'd probably fire me. <laughs> yeah. And
2: it's really funny because it's like you want to take it as class perspective but then you kind of realize that it's just a bunch of men grumbling about women like who are more powerful themselves. Than them. yeah. who are more
1: powerful than them. Yeah. yeah. And they take that it's to really a more extreme place later in the series where they meet meet up with the character again and he's like abusing a woman. Right. Yeah, Let's... it's really fascinating to, to
2: that they have the nuance of like I'm going to call something abuse when really it's just that my misogynistic attitudes are being challenged because that is something that men do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's like, that's incredibly nuanced. Like, I was very shocked by that being brought in, like, actually examined.
0: Anyway. That's probably a good time to jump into what's happening in this fanfic. Mm-hmm. There's ten chapters, a couple of side stories, and we'll talk about what happens in each chapter in brief and then go on tangents. We're not going to go into a blow-by-blow detail, I think, because just there's too much that happens. Mm. And Chapter 1 sets the stage for like what the tone of this is going to be, which is kind of comedy and a whole lot of um, fantasy setting with what's the term of something that's out of place chronologically or time-wise. Oh, um, anachronistic. Anachronisms. <laughs> with a whole lot of anachronisms, because it starts off with Lena, who is a young, extremely min-maxed, you know, blow up <laughs> sorceress, um, and Gowrie, Attending a wizards convention in Ceylon, which is kind of like one of the main kingdoms in the series, um, Zelgadis, one of their companions, is around too. And you know, part of it is them kind of poking around. And Lena wins the tournament, and Gowri again goes, gets dragged to like a sidekick discussion panel that Lena signed him up for to like get him out of her hair or whatever. Um, but at the end of it, there's also this artifact called this artifact mirror of divination. I forget what it's called that's being unveiled to the public.
1: I forgot exactly what it was called but it's was pretty much that. Yeah, yeah. 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 Artifact, um, mirror, divination. Mirror.
0: Yeah, And everyone's really interested in it because it was made using a type of magic that has now been lost. But Lena, yes. drunk at night, decides to go sneak in and examine it for longer than the you know 15 prescribed minutes she's going to get okay. and acts 10. <laughs> and they accidentally end up breaking it, of course.
1: Of course. Um, it, it somehow breaks. Nobody's sure how it breaks. Uh, Gary, who were Falling at the moment is looking away, and Lena is blacks out from the shock. And right, she was sure. mm-hmm. she
0: was scrying it, but she didn't think she was doing anything, you know, mm-hmm. breaking. And that's the main outline there. There's a lot of stuff that goes on here, and um, before we started, Tori, you were talking about how a lot of the action, so like that's actually important in the fanfic, is characters talking to each other, and it makes me think like one of the I mean, that's not completely true, but, like, one of the main things in Chapter 1, I think, is Elgad is talking to Lena and being like, you act like a petulant child who blows things up at a whim and has no sense of responsibility or consequence. And she's like, don't say that, I'll blow you up! But then, you know, it it gets through to her.
2: Well, it's funny, because, yeah, I was trying to kind of debate in my mind, not that this is a strict dichotomy, I don't believe it is, but whether this was kind of plot-driven or character-driven, at least for the, the writer, And I I think it's plot-driven, because I don't see the characters change as people. But a lot of it, a lot of, like, I wouldn't call it filler, because I think it's relevant, is the characters speaking about their personalities. And while I don't see them undergo significant personality changes, I do see them all engaging in a lot of introspection. Which, to me, indicates the author really cares about these characters.
1: You you do get the feeling that, like, there's no exact growth during the the story itself, mm-hmm. but they mm-hmm. have reflected on the growth they've already been through.
2: Yeah. I think like, every character kind of seems to want to help the other character and like maybe bond with them. And like, you can kind of see how like a lot of the characters who want to push other people away, like Zell goddess wants to push Lena away. might actually care about her. And I feel like the author cared a lot about how these characters' relationships were important, mm-hmm. which actually becomes very relevant at the end of the story. So maybe they built that in
0: very intentionally. I think you're right to say that it's a lot of self-reflection with, you know, Slayer's Reflect. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I'm sure that's intentional because this this fanfic, again, is you know, planned out thematically. The author says in the notes, like, it was just kind of an attempt to write something that was planned out from the beginning with arcs and actual themes. And the author knew there were going to be two more lo- novel-length stories. I think the journeys of the characters, not, not that I remember the other two novels too well, but I think what the author has done is set up all of the characters to be able to undergo more actual growth later on because they all like have kind of looked at themselves and are a little bit more self-aware by the end of this. One of the things that happens extremely obviously and then stated explicitly by the authors in this notes is that every character, every main, main character, comes into contact with someone who is supposed to reflect some negative aspects of themselves or possible negative a- negative aspects of themselves, right?
1: Which is a concept introduced with the magic they've um, created for the series, the Mirror Lore. Yeah, which explicitly states that they will see their darkest reflections. Yes,
0: it's very very explicit. Yes. like anyone questing for the Mirror Lore has to face their darkest reflections because that's what God ordained, and God being the Lord of Nightmares, who has a very ominous name in the Slayer's universe, but really does not seem like super <laughs> malicious. <laughs> any more so than anyone else they're
1: actually a re- relatively chill being
0: yeah I mean yeah. for sure
1: yeah they're just chaos incarnate you know they, chaos doesn't care <laughs>
0: <laughs> Lord yeah chaos is totally chill yeah <laughs> I like and you know it's it's canon that like at least the author in like things at the end of the novels and maybe even characters call her El-sama just like as shorthand hmm. Um, not that She's supposed to be talked to very much. Anyway, everyone's supposed to meet their darkest reflection. And in some cases I think that works better than others. At this point in chapter one, we haven't yet met any of those or like, you know, darkest reflection characters.
1: Well, isn't the um Misogynistic uh, oh. henchman supposed to be Gary's reflection. You're right, and he never even gets a name. Oh. He's just called the goo, right? Yeah. yeah
0: I he,
2: totally freaking missed
0: that. Oh, yeah, he is.
1: Well, it was. Okay. I wouldn't have that thought of it. That makes so much sense. I wouldn't have thought of it if it wasn't one of the um, questions brought up in the Zellos. A side chapter quiz? that thing. I, oh, I didn't on? read the side
2: story. Okay. Uh, I read the text version so of the smart. side story that doesn't have the quiz as a locking mechanism. Oh my god, no, I didn't read the side stories, but that is, like, actually freaking brilliant. I wish the author had made that a little more obvious. Well, but... It's pretty obvious, I think. Is it? Is it? Yeah. And it I skim- okay, more... to be
0: fair, I skimmed a decent amount of yeah. this, but now you're making me feel long. dumb. No, I'm, sorry. I don't mean to make you feel dumb. Just that no. they, they do say like, "Hey, all of you are going to meet your darkest reflection." So like, at that right. point, you try to like.
2: That no, it's interesting. It's not how I thought of it. I kind of expected because it was so clear when Lena's reflection like came out and right. like it, it, things seemed. Yeah, that wasn't very clear, but
1: yeah. So this is the the quiz chapter they had that you're supposed to answer these questions and it brings you to a URL, which I was never oh. going to figure out. <laughs>
2: Who is Gory's mirror self if Lena's is from another world? All right. Yes, yeah, so they imply there exists a Gory mirror in the story, and that makes sense. That makes absolute sense. Yeah, they're supposed yeah to. I really
0: haven't thought about it. So if that wasn't that clear, clear a that of... might have been a failing on the part of the author. Because, well, no, you know. I
2: mean, I, I decently did skim quite a bit. And, I, I, you know. I think it was subtle enough mm-hmm.
1: where it, it, I can understand missing it, I can understand seeing it, I can, I can see it both ways.
2: Yeah, I and you know, now that that piece is falling into place, I think that was a really interesting choice on in the part of the author, and it makes a lot of sense. Um, it's also really fascinating that he wants to rescue his mirror self from the clutches of
0: Lena, considering <laughs> that Lena in the alternate world is... But by he here, you're referring to the goon, who we're going to yeah. see more of later, but... The goon is this misogynistic, like, bandit guy mm-hmm. who takes a liking to Gowrie because they're from the same hometown. Uh, same home country. Mm-hmm. And, like, I feel like they kind of have to create some things about Gowrie to link to this person. Like, yeah, I don't it's... think it's established that he's, like, from this kind of place specifically. Yeah, they, they
1: never talk too much specifically about Gowrie's hometown. That, in the canon. But in this, mm. they, they made a region in, like, um Where habits. it's kind of,
0: like, good old folks who, like, do hard work and, like, stand and behind. And are really their... misogynistic. Well, the... The negative aspect of that is supposed to be seen in The Goon, where it's like not just, not just like you do your job 100%, but like you do your job, like that that society has dictated for you 100%. Yeah.
2: Very much like this kind of like um, American South type narrative, where like, you know, ideals and qualities of like the rural lower class are upheld, but like there's also a lot of misogyny inherent there, which, you know. I'm not going to like typify the American South yeah. and say that's accurate, but I think but that's, that's kind how of the, we
0: picture it. Right. As a it's country, it's
1: so. a fictional representation of the good old boy. Right. right. Yes, yes. And,
0: you know, Gowrie's supposed to represent those more positive aspects as things go of like being honest, at least, and like very, very yeah. good at what he sets himself out like to do. Kind of like a sweet Midwestern boy, almost. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and like.
1: <laughs> Moving geographically yeah. north a little bit.
2: <laughs> well, yeah, but. I'm just saying. He he could be a sweet southern boy as well, but I I feel like he kind of seems like a sweet mid... I almost feel like he's more midwestern than southern now that Mm. I start to think about it, but...
0: That kind of thing. That's all I'm saying. The goon's going to come back into the plot more later, but at this point, like, they just meet, and he's like, oh, you're with Lena Inverse, who's, like, infamously terrible, and, like, clearly you should be off, like, doing something more worthy of you, because you're a very good swordsman. Should we move on to chapter two, though? Anything else from chapter one specifically?
1: Oh, do we need to go... Can we go stroke by stroke, maybe, instead of chapter by chapter?
0: Stroke by stroke. That's probably a good way to do it, like plot threads. Right. Let's mm-hmm. just set up the main plot thread in the story, then, which is that after having broken this mirror accidentally, probably, mm. Lena's held responsible for it, and the government of Ceylon, the king and queen, are like, or, or Prince Phil, or whoever tasks her with it, is like, hey, so now you're going to go find these lost mirror lores so you can repair our extremely valuable, extremely useful divination mirror, right? If you, mm. if you
1: don't, we'll kill you. If you
0: don't, we'll kill you. And she's mm. like, ah, fine. Like, at first she plans on just skipping town, but Amelia, one of her other companions, who is a princess of Saloon and, you know, the enthusiastic lawful good character, mm. like, drags her into it, and Lena's like, fine, fine, fine. And so they they set off to do that, and for most of the book... The group is split into two, um, which is Lena and Gowri and Naga, who shows up shortly into this series. This is Lena's old companion, Naga, the White Serpent, who is a equivalent level sorceress, um, but. She's like the Ojo-sama,
1: oh-ho-ho-ho-ho-type laugh. Yeah. Which is weaponized at some point later in the fic. Yes.
0: Isn't she Lena's sister? No, she's Amelia's sister. Amelia's sister. sister. And that is one of those many things in Slayer's canon that never actually is stated in the canon, but word of God is that it's true. Mm. And, like... So every fan knows that, even though they never, ever meet in like Slayer's canon mm. at all.
1: Is it weird that when you say word of God, I imagine a hyperlink to the TV Tropes page? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think uh, you've
0: been doing this podcast for too long, Dom. <laughs> Not long enough. I think and, you need a vacation. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, those three set off in one direction to try to find like a tome that describes the mirror lores, and uh, meanwhile, Amelia Zelgadis, and Zelos, who is pretending to be someone else at first, but is... It's pretty funny how little he's trying to actually act like that yeah. other character. Like they set up this nebbish like astronomer from Saloon, Melvin, who like really wants to avoid danger. And like when Zelos takes his place and is impersonating him, he's just like perfectly smiley, saying like vaguely things that Melvin might possibly say sometimes. Yeah, because Melvin was
1: set up as a character that would like literally break out in skin rashes if something dangerous happened. And then change to Zelos Melv, and was just like, "Oh my, this is interesting.
0: <laughs> oh my, this is yeah. very scary. I must
2: take
1: my like, medicine.
2: I eat my pills. Where are my pills?
1: Good, good thing I'm <laughs> taking all my pills already."
0: Yeah, <laughs> Zelos is unmasked fairly shortly, and they're going after this um, like water of reflection that's needed to cast stronger mirror lore spells. And so, for this book, should we talk about like the, I guess? the important things are those kind of, like, character reflection subplots, right? Mm. mm. I guess? Mm. Like, Lena... Lena, yeah. fairly shortly in, is pursued by her dark reflection, who is literally Lena from the darkest timeline. Yeah. Um, which is to say the timeline in Slayers where, early, in, after the first half of season one, when she had to cast the Giga Slave, which is a spell that invokes the god, the Lord of Nightmares... She needed to do that to destroy a piece of the demon king, Shabranigdo. And, you know, it's supposed to have been a big deal, like, like using the silver crystal in Sailor Moon. And, of course, in the series, it works. And
1: <laughs> wait, wait, wait. He's in the, silo- he's in the silver crystal in Sailor silo- Yes, Moon? in
0: Sailor Moon, they successfully use the silver crystal to defeat Shabranigdo, is what I'm saying.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Thanks, Amato. That really clears things up for me. Um, in Slayer's canon, Alina is able to use the Giga Slave to destroy this piece of Shabranigdo and, like, everything's fine. And in this other Lina's timeline, she fails to control it, and it kind of destroys Shabarindo anyway, but also, like, unleashes the Mazoku, which are the demon race, Mm. on the world. And the world just goes to hell, and it's some sort of, like, tortured hellscape, where she has been specifically targeted and traumatized and, like... Um, by yeah. Mozoku for some number of years. Because the, the Mozoku... Um, Feed on negative dark emotions. Dark energy. Yeah. yeah. And also Zealous is one of the Mozoku. He is, yes. Mm-hmm. So this darkest timeline, Lena, who the author takes to calling Lina inversed, uh, she has no magic because it was like burned out of her by her miscast. Mm-hmm. Um, but she gets a gun really early on, which yeah. was a... In a Marvel shooting stick. <laughs> yeah, it was a... <laughs> I liked that running joke in the first couple chapters where in the saloon, like Antiquity or, or no no, not antiquity oddity museum mm-hmm. like early on Lena and Gowrie see like this device for throwing marbles long distances And they're like what use is that and they're like well, maybe you could play a game with it Yeah, <laughs> and, and later on someone else makes a similar comment about like seeing that
1: Well, why'd you need to throw a marble so far right?
0: Yeah, and
2: then uh, when eventually they are attacked by said object Lena the Lena from the um you know, the, our correct universe, or not mm-hmm. the non-mirror universe. Protagonist Lena, yes. Protagonist Lena, yes. Um, puts two and two together and realizes that a marble being shot at that speed <laughs> would actually hurt
0: someone. Right. And so. also
1: you find out later that's made out of a certain type of iron that repels magic, too. Mm.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. And Darkest Timeline Lena um, is like, she thinks the world is wrong. It's, it like, it's driving her crazy to see, like, these people walking around, um, you know, happy when she knows, like, that's not how history went. She thinks she's in some kind of weird dream world to some extent. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's It's made explicit later on that in addition to being traumatized, she also has, like, she's been specifically, like, corrupted by dark Mazoku energy. Right. tortured. Tortured. Well, yeah. I, but I mean, like, not just the effects yeah. of normal torture, but also, like, mentally... Some sort of... Mentally influenced by Mazoku energy yeah. I think some normal sort of torture weird. would do it
1: also, is the thing. They yeah, also
2: well. imbued her with some sort of, like, weird poison, basically, is how they referred to it. Like, it mental like, poison yeah, or something, um, yeah. To help, like, break her mind, essentially.
0: That was in the 10th chapter. Okay. Um, yeah. And so... She's going after Lena for most of this novel. And um she's a pretty well-done character. She's I think she's pretty disturbing and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think as a double reflecting negative aspects of a character, she works better than some of the others do mm-hmm. because the main negative trait of Lena that this novel is concerned with is her canonical tendency to act like a protagonist where it's like things will yeah, it's really dangerous to cast this, but it'll be fine cuz like mm-hmm. Like I'm a protagonist, well, like I'm,
1: casting a spell that might cause the actual literal apocalypse, right. right? Rather
0: than like running away and being like, I can't handle this. It's like, no, I'll cast this spell. It'll it'll be, I'll make it work, right? Uh, without Which is reckless, yeah, re- recklessness, yeah.
1: Well, it was the kind of thing where like I, I watched some series about like the history of the Manhattan Project and stuff, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and some people theorized that the nuclear bomb would have enough power to ignite the o- oxygen in the atmosphere. Huh. And they knew that, and they still tested it, and I was like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> if there's any I mean, chance of that horrible. happening, don't do it. You don't do, do it. it,
2: yeah. Right. right. And, and obviously, like, even though they the atom bomb didn't cause that <laughs> sort of, you know, destruction of the entire world, it caused the destruction on this mass level that was just, you yeah. know, incomprehensible
0: and inexcusable, so. And, yeah. To use that as a comparison. In addition to like that one instant of casting the Giga Slave that this fanfic references heavily. Secondarily, it's like her tendency to throw out Dragon Slaves when like that is the most the quickest way to solve her problems. And Dragon Slaves tend to like right. destroy towns, um, yeah. And that sort of thing. And, and, this is and, something mountains, that, and mountains, yeah. yeah.
1: I have to redraw the map again.
2: <laughs> and it was a good part on the author's, you know, a good point on the author's part when he um, at the very beginning established that Zogaris was concerned for Lina even though mm-hmm. he wouldn't admit that he was concerned he gave her a talk about how his recklessness had caused him to become a golem chimera and, yeah. and that he didn't want her to become a slave to
0: that recklessness so yeah and so i think mirror lina works well as a um you know reminder to lina that like her actions can have really serious consequences. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that is a character change. I think Lena specifically has, like, the most, as it makes sense, she's the protagonist, she's yes. the main character. She has the most defined arc in this. Yes. From being reckless to being more thoughtful about the actions she's taking.
1: The interesting thing about fan fiction is that a lot of people are working with characters that have already been established for mm-hmm. a while and already have a feeling. And it's kind of interesting to see what they do within the first few parts or chapters, to see how they change them to how they want the characters to be, mm-hmm. and it's sort of an odd reflection of the author themselves. Are you thinking of Lena specifically here? Um, part of it, yeah. Uh, I'm thinking of also the concept of fanfiction. Oh yeah,
0: I, yeah. It's true because like the author needs the characters to be certain ways for their writing style, for their story, and so Gowrie, who I mentioned before, like Gowrie. I think is transformed a little bit more from his canon part into, like, a form of gallery that works in this context in this story.
1: Because canon gallery is sort of um, in a Japanese-style kind of misogynistic... Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. ...body image shaming sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Yes. they not only go away from that, but kind of take that and personify it into the evil Gowry. Right.
2: Yeah, I thought that was a little strange, too, because Gowry, you know, his when he shames Lena around her body or... He acts kind of, I don't know, just like yeah, misogynistic in general. It's played off as being that he literally doesn't understand what he's doing wrong, the- and that's used to create sympathy. And I don't, I don't know, it, it doesn't ring very true to me. In- but I understand why, like, a man might write the character that a straight man might write the character that way. And I don't know if the author is a straight man, but I'm making some inferences. And but- in,
1: the, in the source material, that sort of note was always. Had a couple times an episode in order to make mm-hmm. a, to make it whatever's happening comedic, and mm-hmm. so
0: I feel like that was the author being bothered by that also and trying to find a way mm-hmm. to like you know, like salvage the character to some extent. Exactly, <laughs> which the character may not have actually been that salvageable,
2: but uh-huh. to create the very negative foil was a way I think for the author to salvage the gallery that they did like mm-hmm. that kind of like. And put it in a sense into his character that it was more ignorance than it was,
0: you know, I don't know. Yeah, than it was malice or, or like, uh, whatever. Right. Um, and Lena ends up employing the goon. And because we're not... Sorry, not our Lena. Uh, mirror Lena ends up employing the goon. Mm-hmm. And the third member of their little group, the third main member, is Naga's mirror. So we may as well go that direction, too. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, That is... What's her name? The White Dove. Um, Lily. Lily. Lily the White Dove. Yes. To be named in stark, you know, comparison to Naga the White Serpent, right? Yes. And she's also from where Gowrie and the Goon are from, and she is, like, one of these super submissive archetype characters beaten... but. You know, whereas in Japanese, it would always be portrayed this way. In this case, it's like, oh, she's completely a victim of, like, this misogynistic, you know, worldview dominant in her culture that says, like, she needs to be, like, serving and supporting her man in her life. And, like, that's the worth by which she's valued, right? Yeah,
1: just a complete victim of misogynistic abuse mm-hmm. their, their yeah. entire life. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah
2: she's really a tragic character in that sense. Like, also, it's
1: even though this is sort of a comedic fanfic about a comedic story. There's a lot of tragedy and um, a lot ab- yeah. abuse and trauma through a all lot. these characters. Yeah, yeah. Which somehow didn't derail how easy to read and funny this fanfic was. Well, look,
0: our author is Two Flower. Mm. There's a lot of Terry Pratchett influence here. A lot. And that's one of the things Terry Pratchett does, too, where it's like you read something like Small Gods or, you know, any Mm -hmm. good Discworld novel. And, like, it's really funny, but also, like, serious things are happening with serious arcs and, like, people are really distressed by, you know, whatever horrible things. Maybe there's less, like, Mm -hmm. active tragedy than there is in this. But, like, I think that's something that the author took.
1: I did see a lot of Terry Pratchett in this, especially with the tone of the um, narration. Mm -hmm. Because in Terry Pratchett novels and in this one, the narrator has its own character and its own voice. Yes. That added a lot of comedic element to the story. There's a lot
2: of, like, yeah, breaking the fourth wall and, like, creating, yeah, the narrator's character to um, kind of poke fun at the characters. Like, this is how this is typical of this character, you know? She felt like this, but. And this is what would have happened if, you know, this was true, but it didn't happen, and therefore this happened. And I was
1: also used Very, to make, like, uh, comedic views on the world in general. Yeah. Like, no matter what happens, there's always law enforcement with mirror-reflected glasses that are assholes. <laughs> yeah,
0: they turned exactly. it out a couple of times. Yeah. Uh, not all of those jokes worked well for me, like the. No. But over they're very frequent as well. So, but overall, it's very funny. Like, mm-hmm. and you know, despite all of these really heavy things, and so Lily, going back to Lily, is Naga's reflection, which mm-hmm. is, it, like the author had to kind of show their work there because, yeah. like, you can yeah. see you can see how Harlena and the it's other Lena like just... could be connected. And yeah, you, you could almost imagine the way the author sets it up, though. I think they had to stretch there, too, how Gowrie's negative traits could become, in some ways, reflective of the goons. Sure. But Naga is like, her, her, her positive trait is confidence, right? Mm-hmm. That's her defining character yeah. trait, I should say.
2: Honestly, and,
0: oh, go on. And Lily's defining character trait is, like, not exactly the opposite of confidence, but, like, um, shame, I guess. Yeah. Like, for not being sufficient, like, not being worthy, not being, like, you know, enough uh, at her role or whatever.
2: I mean, honestly, this rang too much, like, the virgin whore dichotomy to me. Oh, it it absolutely is. It was, yeah, that was the one part of this that I completely objected to. Mm -hmm. Like, as much as I might like both of the characters independently, it's, like, Naga's flaws are that hey, she's got her tits out all the time and she has a high-pitched laugh and she acts overconfident. Mm -hmm. And then Lily's flaws are that she's kind of, like, downtrodden and subservient to men, but she has this purity because Mm -hmm. of that. And I just, I hated every aspect of that character dichotomy. I really did. And I did feel like it was very forced, like, as you said on Motto, like... The work needed to be shown to get from that to that, but I still think the work that happened in the author's brain was merely derived from the version whore dichotomy. I really think it was. It was like, what's one type of woman, you know, like hyper-confident, you know, sexualized femme fatale type that mm-hmm. we have in the original source material? What's the opposite Oh, this demure, downtrodden, innocent, wilting flower? And yeah, yeah I found that part quite objectionable. Not personally. to
1: mention the literal... Black magic, white magic
0: dichotomy. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes. It was just... I, I don't know. I think of the reflections, it and Gowrie's work the least well for me, and probably mm-hmm. Naga's works the least well, period. But the, the the connection yes. the author was trying to make is that he establishes Naga and Emilia's mother was murdered, like, assassinated for political reasons, and they tried to save her with white magic, and feeling... And, you know, failed. Mm-hmm. And Naga feeling like... Um, like yep. she failed at that, leaves behind white magic completely and disabs and is like, screw that, I'm gonna go like learn actual, like useful stuff, because clearly white magic like can't it's worthless and you know she feels like ashamed at that failure. And there's they're trying to compare that to what's Lily's shame that I mean, you know, base shame, whatever. That did she
1: Oh, I uh, uh, didn't heal the boyfriend when he died one time.
0: Yeah, yeah. but, but <laughs> Whatever, she raised him later, like, yeah. yeah.
1: Her mom did, actually.
0: Oh, her mom did. Okay. Is, is that what happened? Yeah. And so, and her response is to, like, try to atone for that, you know, by throwing herself even more into this, like, you know, oppressive role that she's in. Oppressed role, I the should The concept say.
1: was, I, I failed my duty before, so I, I won't fail again. I will do my job. Yeah, but, yeah. like, at no
0: point did I feel like naga or you know great gracia her name whatever was ever at risk of becoming anything like lily no. so it like doesn't really work as a reflection i feel like
2: i completely agree i don't think the characters work in juxtaposition to one another at all and i think it's merely the author's idea of women as either being femme fatales or wilting flowers the version or the whore. i really think that's that's where that came from
0: well we get characters like lena who are neither yeah. But you're right that those two certainly, you know. Yes. But to say that an
2: author employed one female character who broke out of this boundary since to just that they don't buy into that stereotype or that ideal. I also think that Lena's character is frequently criticized for being not womanly. Ah, yeah. And that somehow I think definitely plays a role into how she's characterized. Like, the author will frequently talk about how she's flat-chested, and I believe this is probably true in the source material. It is. And that she acts aggressively and impulsively, and like basically how maybe your typical brash young hero would act. But because she's a woman, it plays off differently, and she's frequently criticized for it. And so I think that Lena is actually treated as not a woman because mm. she behaves as you know the typical male character may behave and her womanhood comes into question a lot because of that and that's another aspect i think of the version horde Dichotomy is that you have this third party who is the woman who doesn't fit into that stereotype and therefore she's not treated as a woman at all and her womanhood is constantly called into question so i really think that that yeah, How like do you
1: think uh, Amelia fits into this, then?
0: Uh, Amelia's a virgin character, though. She's just yes, a different absolutely. Okay. Like, you, you can hold her up next to Naga, as they do, and, like, you have that same dichotomy. Mm-hmm. It's oh. just she's a different, like, yes. version of that. She's, she's sweet like sweet and virtuous sweet one. Yeah. and
2: spunky. Like, and her whole thing is justice and virtue. I definitely mm-hmm. think she fits into the virgin
0: element. Uh, so we've talked about the, the reflections. I guess the plot, the plot with those three, with um, Lena and Gowrie and Naga... I mean, it's it's fun, but, like, it's not that important. They go... They, they're, they like, attacked by, you know, their their doubles along the way. Lily, in an extremely important plot point, has, like, this super strong white magic spell that, like, has not appeared in canon and is capable of, like, doing a lot more or more powerful healing.
1: Fixing just about anything. Pretty
0: much anything. Mm-hmm. And you learn later on how it works, which is that, like unlike a healing spell where you're like, you like wounds, you heal seven wounds, seven hit points. Like <laughs> mm-hmm. she has to like basically slow time for herself and send her time in to heal those hit points yeah. using this spell every single time, which makes it really horrifying imagining like the first time they encounter her where they're attacked by this gang of bandits that they're slaughtering with like horrible magic and, oh, you she know, does swords of life. And she keeps doing that over and over to heal everybody. Until, like, you know, our protagonists kind of have to flee from it because they just, like, can't make any headway. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, my God, the, you know, the labor going into this is frightening. Mm -hmm. Anyway.
1: It's sort of a trauma center under the knife sort of way to use the power. (laughs) Except less demonic, more more, um, angelic, I guess.
0: I guess. Um, Anyway, they have to go to a country called Evilania, which is, just what it sounds like of, it's like, really country funny, of evil actually. people. It, it's pretty funny, especially since, you know, Gary's too polite. He doesn't fit in. Yeah. He's going to be, you know, the the authorities, like, stop him for, like, smiling too much and, like...
1: For apologizing to bad drivers. Who drive yeah, to yeah, yeah. Window. Right. And
0: and when, you know, a cop comes to say, like, you know, we don't, we don't put up with this thing around here, but I'll let you off with a warning this time. And Gary's like, thank you. And, like, gets a glare, you know, from the from the policeman, and Lena is like, he meant fuck you.
1: He meant piss
2: off.
0: He meant piss, yeah, piss off. He's yeah. like, that's
2: better. <laughs> Which is, yeah, I actually thought those, like, inversions, and since you brought up Terry Pratchett earlier, yeah, I think that. It's very Yeah, or uh, Piers Anthony or something. But yeah, those inversions were really funny. And of course, um, part of the... It was a very enjoyable part. Well, something yeah.
1: I really liked about it is that it was a tool also used by Terry Pratchett. In order to show the ridiculousness of following any sort of social convention mm-hmm. which a lot of time a lot of people don't don't like because like if you talk about how weird it is to follow any sort of convention they'll kind of lash out initially because they think you're attacking something important to them mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but if you dress it up in a comedic over the top absurdist light it's easier to it's it's more palatable so like if you dress up as like okay in this society you have to be over the top evil if you're not evil you're ostracized right if you translate right. that into like you're okay you're in a society where you have to be over the top good if you're anything but good you get ostracized that'd be a little bit harder for the audience to stomach. Mm-hmm.
2: Well yeah and it, it's a very like relevant and impression like kind of point there to say like oh this is kind of ridiculous that they have to act mean because nobody wants that. But what if they did right. kind of reversal? Like what if someone really enjoyed being told off all the time? And it points to what phatic speech is. Like a lot of things we say every day, you know, please thank you. Have a nice day. How are you? I'm fine. All of that phatic speech that occurs what does it actually mean? What if those words were changed into uh, everyone preferred? Yeah, fuck you, fuck off, I hate everything. You're a piece of shit every day.
1: Because the words themselves. Would you
2: continue to say that? Yeah, because don't as much speech. as the
1: ritual itself. Exactly, yeah. because
0: static yeah. speech is a ritual and it doesn't mean anything. And so. one of the fun things about the sequence is that Naga fits in perfectly aesthetically, and she thinks it's great, and she loves, like, the skulls everywhere and the decoration, you know, and all that kind of thing.
1: Didn't have to change what they were wearing at all.
0: Not in the slightest. <laughs> um, and so that group searches for the tome in a library. Like, there's, there's funny stuff that happens. There's events that happen along the yeah. way. But they retrieve the, the tome, and, you know, Lena starts studying the mirror lores. And along with it, she gets a, like, super secret tome of spells that has, like, the most powerful magic all invented by this person, Merlin Giga? Is it Merlin? Merlin, yes. Mer, because it turns out the Giga Slave is named after the person Merlin who Giga. made it, Merlin Giga, and there's a couple of other ones. And she's got a prophecy where, like, if she casts, she casts the Giga Slave, and she casts the white magic version of that, then she's going to be on this path for destiny.
1: Giga Slave and Giga
0: Salve? Giga, Giga Restoration, <laughs> I believe. Mm-hmm. And then there's a third one, Giga's Gate, and she's leery of this because her player her player is genre-savvy and is like, you don't want to get caught up in prophecies because sometimes they end up with like you needing to sacrifice your life for some greater good or whatever. Mm. And who wants that? So meanwhile, the other group... Yeah. The other group is Amelia, Zelgadis, and Zelos, who they find out is Zelos pretty quickly. But yeah, which they mm-hmm. abandoned pretty... Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they have to go across the sea to... Of course, because one group has to go to Evilania, the other group has to go to... Good Town, what's its name? Justice something. Justice, mm. Justinia, I forget. Justithilla. Right. And they book passage on a, um, like, mechanical ship from some weirdo who's into science a whole bunch. Daniel? David. 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 Damon. And his last name is like Da, Vin- da Vinci, mm. it's supposed <laughs> to be, but like, it's spelled differently. Um, that That's who he is. And they run into the first like double in their group on the way because they're accosted by um, singing privateers who from just in justice justice town. I'm not. I'm never going to remember what it actually is. Justylvania
1: or something. Justylvania,
0: um, who are attempting to bring the saloon royal family in for long. Long delayed justice from like for crimes that the Saloon royal family has committed. Mm. And Amelia being Amelia, she's like, Hey, I'm Amelia, Will Tesla Saloon from the Saloon royal family. How are you doing? And so they get into trouble over all that. And her arc, such as it is, is that, you know, Zelgadis is like, All right, we're cutting town, let's get out of here, or, you know, blow them up or escape or whatever. And she's like, No, but what if I need to stand trial for these crimes to make sure justice is served? And like, it's it's kind of an arc. She she gets to like you know hesitate over it.
1: Yeah, I uh, consider what is justice and what does it mean in the in the long run. Yeah.
0: I but, mean that, that's basically what happens. But I, I can't think of that. It's resolved when she finds out that the crime that these people are righteously pursuing justice for is like a member of the royal Salem royal family stealing an apple and their justice system demands that like for each year delayed, you know, the the punishment increases and it's shared along family lines. To the point where they now need to dismember every member of the Salem royal family to make sure that justice is served. Right. Mm-hmm. And being a more or less sane person, that's pretty much the end of any, you know, waffling on her part about whether she should stand trial for this.
2: Yes, but does she actually learn a lesson from this? No. Like, I really, I really like, wanted her to learn a lesson from this in the sense of, like, because she's been proclaiming, we must seek justice, we must get the truth and seek justice for the... Uh, she doesn't kind of criticize what her um, idea of justice is. Cause like I hear very frequently in our particular culture, we have to have justice. And more than often that means a bureaucratic process through the legal system. Mm-hmm. And it's like everybody's version of justice is different. If somebody, you know, does something truly horrible. Maybe my version of justice is that I get to murder them. But for her, no, it's this very like strict code of what she's been brought up to believe justice is, and for some reason she doesn't start to question this.
1: She kind of does. I mean, she gets to question it, and yeah. she... But, like... The most character growth you get is just her starting to question it, period. Yeah, that's yeah, it.
0: starting to, I guess. And it, it doesn't land fully. It's his, implied. His, she's I never... Suppose. Yeah, she's never been a character to, like, worry about act- specific crimes anyone has committed. She's, like, a lawful good D&D character where it's, like, mm-hmm. the player is just having them be like, yeah, justice, we're, we're doing this stuff, right. it's a good thing to do. And we're also, following
2: uh, the laws because we think the laws are good even though they may not be.
1: And trying to adventure with a chaotic evil group and still trying to be a part of the team. Right, which just means yeah. that she
0: justifies whatever they're doing. It's like, yeah, but this is for the greater good.
1: Yeah, but they're bandits, though. Right, but they're bandits. Yeah, but
0: at the
2: same time, she pursues justice, and if justice is to Find by an arbitrary set of legal boundaries, how can she be on board with actions that break those
0: laws? But what it, I'm saying is, is that confusing. Amelia, the character, has never paid any attention to legal boundaries except, like, in terms uh, of, like, if she's conscious of a law, she's like, well, we shouldn't break that law.
1: But, like, but that, she that's, the, that's
0: as far as it goes. Yeah, right? I see. She doesn't really know what the laws are. No. But
1: Amelia's justice oh, is, is what seems like justice. Right.
0: She's not Javert. She's a DD good character. <laughs> Fair enough. And so com- I, I see you. And so comparing yes. her to Javert, it's like... yeah, this, this character's name is not actually Javert who's bringing her in, but like... <laughs> yeah, I know. know what you're saying. Though. Right. <laughs> comparing her to Javert, it's like, well, she was never in any danger of being that anyway. Yeah. Just like Naga and, um, and Lily, like, you can draw a few comparisons, but you can't really, like, call... That character a reflection exactly mm-hmm. of Amelia, you, even have to, a darkest reflection.
1: You'd have to build the build up the characteristics in a wild way yeah, before. I don't even consider... know if you
0: could call it a foil. Yeah, eh. it's it's more like a vignette that like a
2: vignette. <laughs>
0: That's beautiful. I mean, you know.
1: So, is Zelos's mirror supposed to be this David character?
0: I think Zelos's mirror is supposed to be minion because Zelos is an immortal servant of zealous metallum the beast master and yeah, oh, sorry who, who's like one of the Mizoku lords right mm-hmm. and like he defines himself as well I, I do that and i also do a bunch of other stuff and he's he's put into touch with this minion created by zealous metallum who is exists for nothing but executing the letter of zealous metallum's uh you know wishes and it's kind of on his case about going and killing Lena Inverse because, like, he's been assigned to do that. And he's like, eh, yeah, I'll get to it. Like, I'll, I'll do it. I'm, I'm a servant. Whatever. Um, and I think that's supposed to be his dark mirror. But also he was never in any risk of becoming that because, you know, Zealous is defined by his, like, extracurricular hobbies and, like, the fact yeah. that he does this stuff. But also he does... Well- other plans.
2: He's not the first character to not be in risk of ever becoming that other thing. Right. And right. it's interesting that I think the author kind of. I don't know they might have a, some logic here that I'm not understanding, but some of the characters seem like opposites, yeah, that the main character they're they're not really a foil. they're just an opposite, you know, but some of them like Lena's you know mirror character or even Zealous's mirror character. I, I thought still goddesses was
0: good. or yeah, yeah. sorry, still yeah. not
2: Zealous. that's not what I meant. So goddesses and Lena's really seemed like possible foils, mm-hmm. like alternative lives they could have led. A lot of other ones just seem like polar opposites, and I feel like that really isn't acknowledging. It it doesn't really strike me. It's like, what is the mirror then? Is it a polar opposite, or is it a foil, an alternative path for Mm -hmm. this character? Right, because they weren't really sure.
1: Because the mirror reflections weren't necessarily direct. They were either uh, hyperbolic, the worst or the best, or just another iteration of the character. Yes,
2: yes. Especially Lena's, I think, is like... Alina who failed uh, in what underwent trauma mm-hmm. but was still essentially the same Alina mm-hmm. that that doesn't ring true to this like same thing that happens with Naga where it's like your polar opposite almost at least according to what I perceive to be the yeah. author's definition of polar
1: opposites. I, I don't characters. think we mentioned what Zelgadis's reflection mm. is. Yeah,
0: cuz we're kind of going chronologically. We'll get there in a minute. Okay. Yes. But the reason Dom also that you needed to ask So wait, who exactly was Zelos' reflection is? Because there's also David, Uh, who it turns out is Zelos' Zelos' son, son, which makes him like, uh, you know, half Mazoku. And he, he remembers Zelos. Zelos was around for a few years. And Zelos, you know, being the kind of, like, he's a demon who likes hanging out with humans. And so the, the way this happened is that he had a few years off when Zealous Mattelum didn't need him for anything and he just shacked up with a human and, like, they had a kid and he was as surprised as anyone. <laughs> and he was like, oh, maybe I can raise this kid to, like, be a Mazoku with me. And then it, you know...
1: Oh, one sec, my pager went off. Kinda yeah, right. And then like, yeah. Like, my
0: pager went off, gotta go, never coming back because he's off back to work. And he has no particular remorse for that except a moment when he's like, Almost feeling like, am I feeling some kind of human emotion? Because sometimes I do, but it's rare enough that it's hard to peg down. And you know, he's not supposed to, because Zelos is evil. He's like. He's a a character you're supposed to enjoy, but not, you know, not think is a good person. Right? He's supposed to be enjoyable, but not like good. If like Dr. House.
1: Yeah, if you think about it, it's a terrible person, all right. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Anyway. So David, the the science person, you know, running this steamship, um, is his son. They kind of get to have some father-son bonding, where mostly because David is put into a position where he's kind of forced to use magic, um, which he's rejected in favor of science. But like, so, so is like, no, it's your Mazoku heritage. And also, you don't, you don't have to be an evil Mazoku. You're not like, as a half-Mazoku, you're not like one of these... Always lawful, evil monster manual type things. You can do whatever you want.
1: Doesn't apply that Zelos is also like um some someone that was turned into a Mazoku? Yes, that is. Is that canon? That is
0: stated in this fanfic.
1: Okay. Hmm.
0: I don't think that's canon in original Slayers, but I oh, could wait. be wrong. So. I missed that part.
2: He was originally human, according to this fan fiction. Yes. It,
1: hmm. it implied it, I think.
2: Interesting. It,
0: he mentions it offhand at one point. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I but that was out. that was a long, 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 long time ago, right? He's right. an immortal demon now.
2: Fascinating. I mean, that would be a partial explanation for why he doesn't tend to follow the laws of the Mizoku. Right. Like, he enjoys chaos and suffering as much as the next demon, but right. he doesn't, like, follow orders and, like, follow this strict... Lawful Regimen. He's kind
0: of more chaotic evil than lawful evil. Yeah, for sure. W- with an emphasis on, like, you know, he has his own plans, and also he likes to enjoy what he's doing instead of just, mm-hmm. you know, being goal-oriented all the time.
2: It's yeah,
1: um,
0: sort of like the Q in Next
2: Gen from Q, from the Q Continuum. <laughs> like except I, I like this character instead. Yeah. yeah, same. I really fucking hate Q in Next Gen.
1: Every episode from this point on, just us bitching about Q. <laughs> Seriously.
0: his. Yeah, Zelos is more fun than what I have seen of Q. And so they get to um, the place they're looking for, which this is, by they I mean, Amelia and Zelgadis and uh, Zelos. Wait, before that, aren't they sucked into, like, the other darkest timeline?
1: Uh, After that.
0: After that, okay. So they get to where they're going to, which is a water park. And of all the anachronisms Mm -hmm. in this fanfic... It's like the most anachronismy. But that's also
1: <laughs> in the Slayer's line too. Just
0: It's not out of line with Slayer's. Yeah. No. It's yeah. just like You kind of have to just take a moment to accept that this is what's happening. Okay, but I
2: really appreciate the author has like explanations of like how bizarre each like contemporary item that exists in their universe is and how it was created with magic and not science and how it's like new and they've just created it. I thought that was all pretty funny. Yeah. like there's this new thing called a water park it's pretty revolutionary but like the magicians cause the water to go down curvy metal tubes and right. how we slide on it you know I just I, the, I thought that was pretty and the science
1: person's like you know it's possible to do this without magic like shut up <laughs>
0: yeah <laughs> it's really funny <laughs> Um, yeah, so they, they get there, and Amelia's like, oh, I really want to go to this water park, but we have a job to do, and Zelos eggs her on, and it's like, you know, you're in charge, and we need a break, and we need to scout this place out, and really, like, we're three days ahead of schedule, and we also, should totally hang out at the water park.
1: And also, Zelgadis is going to do it all anyways. Right.
0: Well, yeah, Zelgadis is immediately like, you guys are all terrible, I'm going to go <laughs> just do this myself, like, if you're not going to. And Zelos, you know, after Zelgadis leaves, is like, yeah, besides, like, Zelgadis will do it. Um, and so we have Zelgadis' incident where he's doing some dungeon delving, like, in the caverns, ben- well, first he has to disguise himself as a theme park mascot and, mm. like, gather information, and it's pretty great. Uh, but after that he finds his way into, like, where this underground magical mirror lake is. One of the attractions that turns out to be a
1: secret temple to mirror magic.
0: Right. And he goes down himself, and, you know, there's mirrors down there, like, you might expect, like... It's weird architecture that like the architect didn't know what they were doing, but were influenced by the the place. And he sees his reflection in one of them, and it's his reflection in from a timeline where he was not turned into a chimera seeking greater power. And his reflection is like, oh I'm, like I'm I'm seeking the mirror water too, but like uh, this is too interesting. I'm gonna come through to your side. And he just like bursts through the mirror on his Elgadus's side. And so Zelgadis gets to be the only other character whose mirror character in this story is literally just an alternate timeline self. Right. Mm-hmm. And it works. It works pretty well. because sort of the
1: brightest timeline version.
0: <laughs> <laughs> brightest yeah. timeline, right. Because, you know, Zel- Zelgadis asks him, like, so, like, you you worked for Rezo like I did. And he's like, his other one's like, yeah, totally. And, like, do you remember you remember Rezo, the red priest, like, coming to you and, like, offering you greater power uh, like, beyond what you'd ever known, which is, you know, when Rezo turned him into a chimera. Mm-hmm. And Mirror, Zelgadis is like, oh yeah, but I turned him down because it seemed totally, like, creepy.
1: I had something else to do that day, so I, I decided not to. Right.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's exactly what he said. <laughs> <laughs> and what Zelgadis has to face here is that he used to be a total asshole. Like,
1: and then the fact that this um, experience he's been through has made him... Um, a more cautious, reasonable person. Yeah, and a better yeah.
0: person. Like, yeah. with more empathy for, like, you know, things going wrong. Like, not only more cautious about what he's doing, but also just, like, you know, less up his own ass and, you know... And
1: also not always grasping for power continuously.
0: Right. Yeah. Because old Zelgadis was just, like, another D&D protagonist. Like, he and Naga could be a, a party together, no problem.
1: That'd be an annoying party. It'd
0: be an extremely annoying yes. party.
1: I played but... in that party before.
0: <laughs> God, I think I have, too.
1: Right, <sighs> I just, like, the,
0: the, they would be the party who like cut down the quest giver before they're finished giving their quest because they're like, no, that that person was totally gonna betray us. And besides, uh, look at that cool stuff they have.
1: Yeah, like, yeah.
0: Who needs to go on the quest? We'll just like take their stuff. Like, just
2: chaotic, stupid. That's like two thirds of a. Used to call it
1: two thirds of a knights at the dinner table comic right there. <laughs> oh my god! Uh,
0: those two Zelos. Um, that's probably about all you need. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And so Zelgadus' mirror reflection meets a bad end when, like, the guardian of the lake does not judge him worthy, because he's totally not, and he's not self-reflective enough to know when he does not know anything, and he tries to fight it, and you'd never fight the, like, ancient guardian that judges people whether they're worthy or not.
1: Hoisted on their own petard. Yeah, exactly. Done in by their own arrogance. (laughs) But Zelgadus gets it. uh, Gets the water that they need and gets back out. And, like, an ominous prophecy or something, too.
0: Yeah, a lot of ominous prophecy. Um now there's a bunch of other stuff that happens before the groups reunite. For example, um Zelgadis and Amelia end up in a a tie future timeline where the dragons have won, the dragons being the Mazoku's good counterparts.
2: Right, because they go into something called the Bahamut Triangle, yeah, which right. is like
0: the Bermuda triangle.
1: The tetrahedron or something. The tetrahedron, <laughs> yes. What, what
0: are, it, it was very funny. What
1: is the funniest geome- geometric shape? Yeah.
0: yeah. And, you know, it seems all benevolent until it turns out that the dragons brainwash all human. Not brainwash exactly, but, like, you know, mentally. Uh, mentally. Essentially brainwash, brainwash all they humans. they
2: remove all of ev- their evil intentions, which means removing their choice. And, yeah, basically, yeah. like, lobotomize them. It's pretty creepy. In the
0: name of greater good and everybody being yeah. happy.
2: I, I
1: think so. Goddess scenario. does use the word brainwashing. Okay, fair yes. enough. Yeah, he does. Um...
0: But we may as well wrap it up, because we've discussed the main, like, little character arcs of all of Mm those. There's
1: also a lot we're not talking about, which is mostly, like, um, character and setting stuff, which is really fun to read.
0: There's a lot we're not talking about, and, like, if you're going to pick up a fanfic, I recommend this one, especially since, like we said, you don't really need to be familiar with Slayers. You just need to enjoy fantasy dramedy. I
2: mean, it was really funny. Yeah. I enjoyed a lot of the... There's a lot of back and forth between
0: the characters that's really humorous. Yeah, a lot of, like, little... Uh, running jokes that mostly are effective and just like really clever writing and description and mm, it's great but the fanfic itself ends um with mirror lena like stealing the the magic and the mirror water that she needs to try to basically like merge her original timeline world with this one and Lena is forced to fulfill the second part of this prophecy she's found by casting Giga Restoration uh, to, like, combat that effect, which is, yes. like, the Giga Slave White Magic one.
2: And before we get totally into that, I did have one question that I posed to Dom that, like, I don't think we resolved, which was, um, when Mira Lena kidnaps the goddess, mm-hmm. she sends, like, a ransom note from cutout, you know, like, magazine scraps back to the, you know, this world party, including this world, Lena. Why does she do that? It's like, does she need them to
0: be there for Wait, some reason? she had? I think she just wanted them there because she yes. needs it. She needs the it resolution of seeing them get things set back. Well, you know, she's supposed to be not completely rational. Oh, and I, I forgot, the end of her story arc is that Lena uses the... This, it's a really interesting scene. She uses the ultra restoration spell yes. that she learns from Lily which can heal pretty much anything. Yes. To attempt to heal Miralina's mind. And her first approach to that is like to go and she's like, "Ah, this mind is broken. I'm going to fix it." Mm-hmm. And when she does that, she finds out that you can't just like fix trauma mm-hmm. like that. Those are memories that people have.
2: She was very smart on the yeah. author's
0: part to say you
2: cannot erase trauma because it exists and right. it, she has PTSD. But what she does succeed in doing... You, you go ahead. Sure. Is um, She discovers that there is a Mizoku poison that's essentially been fed to her, and there's been a series of repeated traumas enacted on this person, the Miralina, which are horrifying. Um, won't get into that. But she's also been fed this sort of, like, demonic poison to help break her mind. And something that the um, original universe, Lena is able to do is through the healing spell she's been taught by Lily through white magic, is take away that poison. So Mirror Lena is still traumatized, but she is able to move forward from that trauma because this poison that's been essentially preventing her from
0: understanding and moving forward from
2: trauma has been removed.
0: But I th- there's one more thing she does yes. with the spell besides that, and I think it's a really smart move. Which is that, besides saying, "Well, there's this supernatural evil component we can heal that," she's right. also able to go back through Miralina's memories of trauma mm-hmm. and give her the sense that someone else is there, like yes. with her,
1: uh, like that she's which, not
0: alone during that. Because Lena, and I think this is the one character
2: change that's significant that happened in this story, despite a lot of character interaction happening, the one and a lot of being flaws being pointed out and like characters wanting to change maybe or like needing to change. And one significant thing that happens is that Lena, even referencing very back to the beginning when Zola goddess implies that he cares about her, even though he'll never admit fully to it, realizes that what she's had the whole time that Lena did not have was friends who were by her side. And so she gives her the sense that she was there for her mirror self the entire time she was going through all of this.
1: Because through most of the story, Miralina was kind of angry that Lena still had friends and that they were alive and still interacting with her. So
2: Lena becomes her own friend, her mirror self's friend and lingers with her through all of those memories, reenacts all of those memories with her and goes through that trauma with her in order to give her the sense that she has a companion, Mm -hmm. which I think is, you know, one of those kind of like heartbreaking romantic endings. It's very beautiful. It's, it's very caring and sweet. You know, there's a weird element of, like, this is you, but also, you know, she kind of does it selflessly in a way where she knows that this is something that could affect her own mind, her own individuality, her own psyche, and could end up going very wrong, but she does it for the sake of this other entity that I do think she deems as other. Yeah, she doesn't I exactly identify with Miralina, but, like, she... Either way, yeah. I think it's very important because I think that caring for yourself is just as important as caring for other people. Right. So I feel like it's something she kind of learned simultaneously is that she sees herself as an other, and she accepts the other self as someone really deserving of care and companionship. I think that that's something that... Originally, Universalina really accomplishes in the extreme is she provides care for something she perceives to be other, while also accepting that she needs care herself. And I think that's the biggest accomplishment the author achieved was was pulling that kind of thing off.
1: And also, really, shouldn't all of us try to be our own best friends? If you think about it,
0: hmm. yes. Using magic with our alternate selves exactly. I'll consider that. <laughs> Uh, and Miralina's story ends because she she is shown a vision of her homeworld and that a resistance has developed, like of Mir Amelia and Naga, you know, like using white magic and fighting back. Mm. And Zelos gives her the the opportunity, like you can go back through and you can join the fight. Look, like humans are fighting back. And at first she's like, I, I don't feel like I can do that. But it's kind of a neat note to go off back on where like she gets a little bit of like her old like her her Lena character and she's like, oh, whatever, I've done crazier things. Like I'll I'll do it. And she jumps back through. Hmm. Just because it's in Lena to, like, do the crazy impulsive thing still. Mm-hmm. Or, like, the, the dangerous thing that normal people probably would just say, no,
2: I'm good. Yeah, but it was very significant. Like, Lena's given her the sense, uh, the original universe Lena has given Mira <laughs> Lena, pardon, the sense of trust in other people to be there for her.
1: Yeah. And
2: so when she sees the idea that she could have these companions that she trusts, she says, okay. I'm going to fucking do it because now I know there are people in this universe that I may be able to trust. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that was, you know, the original universe, Lena, in her triumph, her her contribution there was saying, like, here's your sense of trust in other people back to you. And that's a huge thing when you have gone through significant trauma is the ability to try to trust people again. Like, even if you can never fully realize it, the ability to attempt to trust another person. And I feel like that was what was clearly given back to her because she says, I see two other people. I don't know if I can trust them. But what original universe Lena has given to me is the ability to try to trust again and have those companions.
0: And so I I thought that ending was actually very sweet. Yeah. And if you can't trust Naga the White Serpent in any universe, who can you trust? (laughs) Really, though. Is there any like things we did not enjoy or appreciate about the fanfic that we have not yet touched on before uh, we wrap up?
1: Honestly, I, I enjoyed most of the fanfic. The thing I had the most problem with was using the, um, the site. <laughs> I had a bit, bit of a problem realizing that there was um, chapters, and then part A, part B, and part C of the chapters, so I ended up skipping a few parts every so often and sometimes just hitting the wrong link and reading the wrong part. Well, you tried to read the HTML version. I just read the text version. Well, I read the HTML version because I was tired of just looking at uh, RTF black text mm-hmm. for a while. I, I was I was grateful for the um, visual change.
0: This might not be the podcast for you, Dong.
1: <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> I, well, I just relish the chance of something different as a long, dark future of...
2: Yeah, I read the issue of version 2 because I was too enchanted by those little images they put at the top, but it's kind of hard to read the text sometimes because of the change of background
1: color. Because like the color of the text and the color of yeah. the background clash sometimes. And that's kind of saying something that this is my biggest complaint <laughs> about this fanfic. It's like the formatting of the 1990s website.
0: Yeah. I have but, a plotting complaint, though. Yes. Okay. It's something we have not mentioned. There's a lot of things we haven't mentioned because this is a novel and a lot of stuff is in it. There is so much everything that happens being part of some plan by a larger being going on here on mm. multiple levels. You've got the Lord of Chaos it seems to be having some plan. Executed, like Merlin Giga has some prophecy going on. The, the, the mirror- person, the guy who made the mirror lords yeah. is like writing notes to Lina saying, hey, I saw the future and like this is what you're going to need. Zelos is like, you know, setting all kinds of things up in this story. It's like there's there's so much of it and it would have been fine if it was just like Zealous messing with things, and then things go astray. But, like, it's all just so prophesied or manipulated.
1: It's always a bit weird when you have a character that knows the future come from a storytelling standpoint. Mm -hmm. Because either they know the future, so then they shouldn't be able to do anything wrong, or they only know part of the future, in which case then they don't really know anything at all.
2: Right. Yeah, a lot of that was kind of dodgy. And my main complaint was in the fact that, like the story seems so plot-driven, and it ended up being, like, about Lena's character, but every time we try to explore Lena's character, or the other characters in the story, especially because you would think this would be the bent of the thing when mirror images, foils of these characters, keep occurring, though I think we've mentioned before they're imperfect foils, um, it would be character-driven in that sense of that every character must undergo dramatic change, you don't actually see very many changes in the characters. And I feel like, you know, like, that's that's my major issue with this is that, like, there's a lot of filler in terms of characters just interacting with one another mm. that exists purely for humor and doesn't drive the plot forward in any way. And I'm not saying it's necessary that every scene does that, but I am saying that a lot of the humor, I think, maybe have been easier for the author to write, just kind of this, like, lighthearted humor rather than dig into like the more deeper aspects of character motivation. And I would have liked to see a little bit more character development in this story, personally. Especially because it seems like that's the main bent of the story, is that, ah, we learn the what the characters learn. The characters learn something, but it doesn't seem like the author fully describes what the characters do learn. And they spend I think, more than 60% of the story on characters interacting with one another. But of that 60%, it's,
0: like, 90% humor.
1: So.
0: If we're talking about humor, my favorite thing about this fanfic is just that it's very fun to read. Mm-hmm. Like, And that's partly the humor in terms of like actual jokes, and it's partly just kind of the breezy writing style. We don't... It does drag in places, like the bureaucracy chapter, or, like, some of the... Um, you're right, just some of kind of like the general interactions that go on for a little bit long, but for the most part this is a fanfic that I read at least twice when I was younger, and it's because rereading it was fun, like, you know it's it's a really good read in a lot of ways and yes, it is funny. And it's in a way that you don't necessarily see like, other fanfics being a good read in that way. Like, I mean I, I'm thinking back to the ones we've done on this show so far Which of those would I go back and reread because I would enjoy reading it again? Mm. Well, this one was especially lighthearted despite
2: some of the deeper subject matters. So yeah, it's easier to reread, I think,
0: because a lot of it is comedy. I guess I might reread The Weakest Link. Um, I wouldn't. Yeah, maybe not.
1: (laughs) You took that personal offense to to that one, though.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Maybe a little bit. Anyway, anyone else? What do you think the major strengths
2: were? Well, I think we actually c- covered a lot of the strengths of the fanfiction. And I think we also kind of covered the weaknesses as well, yeah. or at least we started to. Um, I do think it's really well written, just to recover that, that strength. And, and the comedy, just by the fact that I think a lot of it is filler and can kind of make it drag, especially when you're pressed for time and reading it, like we are in our uh, fan fiction book club. You had two think- weeks Yeah, I had other things to do. (laughs) But anyway, my main point is, some of it can really fuller, but it was funny, and it was humorous, and I enjoyed the character interaction, which I always think is really important in a piece of fiction to see the characters kind of develop and their interactions with each other. The fact that this fiction prioritized the relationships between characters rang really true to me because... I love anything that prioritizes the building of the world and the relationships the characters have with one another. And I think they did that quite well.
1: Yeah. Uh, um, it was very easy to read, too, in contrast to the last uh, fanfic, or fanfiction, sorry, I had us read. Yeah. <laughs> Which was kind of hard to stomach. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was just very lighthearted and nice, and even though it was such a humorous, lighthearted fanfic, I really appreciated how they... Talked about trauma and dealt mm-hmm. with it, like even though what was their name Lily, is it wasn't a good mirror. I still appreciated that character mm-hmm. as a traumatized character, mm-hmm. kind of um, sympathizing and wanting that character to do better and be better.
2: Yeah, it's sort of like a Ray Ayunami archetype, mm-hmm.
1: except it's a character you like. Yeah,
2: I like Ray because Ray is a byproduct of trauma, and I relate really to her. You probably but, yes. just read
1: too much. The one
0: I love is Dom. Like, yeah, any probably. of it. And yep. that's not our real,
2: <laughs> ray. But anyway, yes. Sort of like a character where it's like, the character is so downtrodden, and you want them to stand up for themselves so badly, and you hate that they're not standing up for themselves because, you know, you want that to be the reality, but you also relate to the fact that that's their position, and yeah, they're I'm... undergoing that. Like, can you need to relate to that because you've been through similar yeah. circumstances. And,
1: and, like, a lot of time when authors try to invoke that sort of trope, you're not really with them because you don't believe with how the character got to that place.
2: Especially with a male author, but, author who writes a woman like that, you know. But
1: with this, I, it's felt no. really um, believable. Yeah. Yes. Sadly. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. No, I would agree with that. Like, uh, And with that character, you know, I used to be really reactionary in position to, especially these women who were so downtrodden, they couldn't act out. I'd be like, what's wrong with you? What's the matter with you? Until I, I got older and looked back on my own life and saw that that was yeah. really, I was mad at myself. That if and I was seeing myself.
1: That if you're brought up in certain environments, yeah. you, can't, you don't even see the bars of your cage, to speak.
2: Right. And the only reason I was ever upset was because I was mad at myself for not acting out in my own way. Yeah. So I have a lot of empathy for those characters. And it, it's really good to see those characters start to grow,
1: and it was nice to see those kind of characters in an easy to to digest, yeah. ultimately comedic and fun yeah. story. Yeah,
2: the only thing I object to is the fact that other characters undergoing similar amounts of trauma still act. You know, because that I don't know invokes a, a weird thing for me where I'm like, are you implying there's something wrong
0: with this person
1: for the way they're acting? Anyway. So fan fictions are, what's on table for uh, next week?
0: We're going to try an experimental change of format, which makes sense because it's going to be based on Revolutionary Girl Utena, a rather experimental uh, series as things yes. go. Yeah, I know you've been waiting for an opportunity to talk about Utena, so yes. have I, it's kind of my thing. And I think what we're going to be looking at are multiple short Utena fanfiction pieces by John Carp. We're going to read Exit Pursued by a Bear. That's the first one. Other People. And I'd say also Hung Jury, which are three of the four fanfics written by this person. There's a fourth one, Shower Brooding. And uh, if you have some free time, we can look at that one, too. It's more normal than the other ones we're going to read. (laughs) I know,
2: Amato, but... I hope these aren't written by a man, because I don't know how I feel about any
0: fanfiction written by a man. They are, at some point. Well, <laughs> I mean, they're written by someone named John Carp. I don't know anything more about that. Yeah. It, named just, John Carp on the I mean, it, I'm not going to say internet. that that's a man, but it's, you know. Anyway. Um, at some point, we'll try to get is. to Archimage, or however you say it, which is, like, a really big, long, ambitious one written by some non-heterosexual people's... Um, you mean the gays, I mean the gay agenda. <laughs> Thank you. It's, it's written by the gay the agenda. The gay
2: agenda is read Utana and write Udina fan
0: fiction. That's pretty much it, right? Um, as the heterosexual agenda, my only like plan is like translate Utana.
2: Now you're still pretending to be heterosexual. <laughs> That's so sad.
0: Mom's pretty good at it. I know. I'm married and have two kids. Yeah. Not that it's a great accomplishment, but you know... Yeah, we still talk gay. I'll work on talking gayer. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the fanfics by John Carp are located at the Mirror of the Utina fanfiction repository, now located at otori.new. We will put a short link there at bit.ly slash rfr carp Utina. That's carp like the fish. C A R P. Then utuna Like the Utina. <laughs> <laughs> This was episode 6 of Retro Fanfic Retrospective, Slayers Reflect by Two Flower. You can find a copy of it on the author's personal website, and our shortened link to it is bit.ly slash rfr Slayers Reflect.
1: Slash hot link slash... Uh,
0: the intro song for our show is The Weekly Fair off of the album Popey's Incredible Adventure! Exclamation mark, by Komiku. The outro song is Run Against the Universe from the same album. You can find that album and other works by Komiku at loyaltyfreakmusic.com. You can find our website at retrofanficretrospective.podbean.com or bit.ly retrofanfic. Have questions, comments, or thoughts about the episode? Send us an email at retrofanficretrospective at gmail.com. I'm Amato. I'm Tori. I'm Dom. We're just three Earth life forms trying to be nice to each other. Until next time, take care.
1: Okay, I love you. Bye-bye. Bye.
2: They transform during a fight scene and after because they use like, like with the putties they use like costume. They make their own like <laughs> costume, right? Yeah, and the putties they just film
0: with the American actors.
2: Yeah, but then like they, they switch into the the fight scene. And some of like, and... it is grainy. It's like totally different image quality and the costumes yeah. are just like slightly different. Yeah. You know, like it's they did a good job, but... It's
0: most noticeable with the Green Ranger once they start doing American footage and like Japanese footage because the. Oh, yeah. Maybe no, the, go the, ahead. the shield is is some kind of yeah. plastic in the mm-hmm. Japanese. And the shield is some sort of cloth in the American. Yes. And it is extremely obvious.
2: It's also really funny that the Yellow Ranger is clearly a guy. Oh,
0: yeah. Well, and <laughs> Not only is he a guy, his name was Guy.
2: <laughs> it's just really funny because, like... You almost kind of you're surprised you don't notice this as a kid. Uh-huh. Like, no, it's just
0: yeah, like I oh, did, she I, I the she's got two it. daggers. Yes. She's great. Whatever, yeah. right? Yeah. Like
2: exactly. <laughs> but like the Pink Ranger has a skirt, right? <laughs> and the Yellow Ranger does it. And if you look closely, like, and making the assumption that they're all just cis people, which mm-hmm. is a reasonable assumption, you're like, it doesn't look like a cis woman at all.
1: <laughs> like... <laughs> Well, it's like I didn't know I that, it's possible, but... But, but just as a kid, I was like, oh, that, that one wears a skirt. That one doesn't. Right. No, <laughs> right. That, that's as far <laughs> that's as like I all my mind went. To... I
0: wasn't thinking about like the musculature mm-hmm. or like, you know, anything like that. Or build or anything. Right. Like if you are thinking about it, you're like, hmm. Does it say something about training? I don't
2: know. It doesn't really matter.